Hey everyone, Greg Meskel here with you. A brand new episode of What's Good on the Way. This week joined by one of the best to do it in softball, Kat Osterman. Kat, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. Kat, I've unintentionally during this pandemic and hosting this podcast, I've talked to quite a few athletes who have come back to their sport. And a lot of them, it started out with kind of just messing around in the gym and realizing they could still do what they used to do at a high level. How did you end up a couple of years ago ending back up in high level softball? Um, I wish that were the case, but um, mine was actually one of my really good friends um, decided to voice her opinion in the fact that she just thought I still wanted to play. Um, I had actually put my name into the coaching pool for the the national team for this quad. And um, after not getting selected for the first round of of coaches, um, I kind of realized I wasn't upset. And I was like, if there's no passion or emotion attached to not being selected, is this something I really want to do? And so um, you know, I have my inner circle of people that I kind of talk to and she's one of them. And she's like, you know, you don't want to coach cause you know, you can still play. And there was part of that in my head. Like, how can I coach when I feel like I still can say, Hey, just do it like this and kind of show them what to do. Um, you know, I've told people I've never wished to relive college. We get four years of that. I loved my four years. I've never been like, Oh yeah, I'd totally go back to college. But if you had said, would you ever go back to national team stuff? You know, it's still possible. Um, and so she kind of put the seed in my head and um, my boss at the time I was working at Texas State University, she kind of came and was like, hey, if it's something you really want to try, then we'll make it work. We'll figure it out. We'll balance whatever it is you need to do. And so the wheels started turning. And of course, you know, you go talk to people in your inner circle. My husband was all for it. Like, yeah, go right ahead. I never thought you should retire to begin with. And um, then you had my dad who was like, I always told you to go for one more Olympics when it got voted back in. And I'm like, here's here's the I told you so so um really it's just one of those that people who know you best know what's going on in your mind even if you're trying to uh push it to the very back of your mind or hide it between all the other things that you want to do and are doing and and as you mentioned uh, softball coming back to the olympics in tokyo last in 2008 right so so a long gap for that sport was that one of the main reasons why you had stepped away from it at that level because it wasn't an olympic sport um, no, not really. I mean, I continued to play professionally in the National Pro Fast Pitch League um, here in the United States uh, up until 2015. And really, um, I mean, partly because there were no Olympics, but really it was just more of getting older. Um, I wish I could say our setups were kind of, you know, the way male athletes get to where when we travel, there's a gym for us to work out in and things like that. But um, that wasn't always the case. And, and getting older and living out of a suitcase and not being able to physically train on the days I'm not throwing the way I needed to. Um, I just kind of decided it wasn't worth it anymore to continue to try to grind so hard when once season came, I wasn't able necessarily to stay in the best shape. So um, decided it was better to invest being at home. But um, I do think the Olympics getting out kind of changed my mind frame a little bit. Um, Obviously now I look at it, it would have been really cool to be going for my fifth if we had had it in 12 and 16 but who knows I could have also already hung it up because I would have gone through a couple others so um hindsight's 2020 so but uh the fact that it came back is really the only reason um that I decided to play again I wouldn't have come out of retirement for anything else other than another chance at the Olympics and and you talked about kind of the challenge and, and I was reading an article recently about the journey of a softball player being being one of survival right with leagues starting and then yeah. going under and coming back up right it is not uh, it is it is one of many women's sports that are played at a high level on the national team I think people make that disconnect right oh, they're winning Olympic gold medals or, or they're on the podium all the time that must bleed into success and just 
the pro athlete lifestyle elsewhere, but, but as you've lived, right, it is, it is a challenge to be able to, to have and sustain those high level play opportunities. Oh, definitely. I mean, I've, I was part of the pro league for eight years and we had anywhere from four to 18 or eight or six teams and it just fluctuates. And so you never know um, what you're going to get. And at the same time, you know, yeah, we have things that get shortened or lengthened or canceled and then redone. And it's just um, teams pull in and out. You know, we have teams that try to go independent. It's just, it's been kind of a roller coaster um, professionally. And yeah, I mean, you hit it on the head. Everyone watches and sees when Team USA is on the podium and they don't see, you know, the two to three years in between each podium stint and how hard that is for us to maintain training, maintain elite competitiveness, um, all while dealing with uncertainty of anything outside of the national team realm. Um, so it's definitely, I think, softball athletes are uh, well-versed in adversity. And I feel like that's my PSA whenever I talk with Olympians. People just think, just just do another one. Like, hey, just go for four more years. And it's like, there's so much in between those four years. No other sport, no other pro sport are you asked to commit for four years. It's, it's hey, Vince Carter, come back and play one more season or, you know, in a basketball or something like that. So there is, there is a lot of inherent challenges. When you do come back a couple of years ago, what's a moment where you're like, yep, like people said I could still do it and now I feel like I can still do it? Yeah, so I jumped in the gym first, kind of getting back into the the fitness for sport versus just to stay in shape and feel like an athlete still. Um, so I got back into, you know, lifting and conditioning. And then um, after about three or four months of that, I started throwing again. And um, I threw to a couple of my players at Texas State and, you know, felt good, but not great. And then July of 18, um, I actually went down to Houston where some of the national team members were playing um, professionally. And I had, I knew their coach. So I talked to him about, Hey, I just need to throw a few innings to see where I'm at. Um, you know, just get a feel. And I had talked to our national team coach and was like, I still kind of don't really want this to get out. I haven't made my statement that I'm coming back yet, but I need to figure out where I'm at. Um, so everyone kind of, it was like a, a top secret mission that didn't stay top secret. Um, but I went down there and threw, and I threw three innings and threw really well. Um, I gave up one hit, and I don't remember how many I struck out, but only gave up one hit, and um, my dad and my husband actually went with me because once a pitcher's dad, always a pitcher's dad. I'm like I, – I was laughing. I'm like, yes, guys. I don't remember. I was 35, I think, 35 or 36. And I'm like, yes, I'm, this, I'm in my 30s, and dad's in tow. No worries. <laughs> um, but it was after that that um, – we kind of talked about it and my dad was like, you're not far off. Like you can really do this. And I was like, yeah, I felt really comfortable out there. So I'm, I'm back in the game. And uh, so that was probably about July of 2018 that I was like, all right, we're going to, we're going to go. I was already kind of, well, you know, like all in, but not like full pedal to the metal yet. Um, because you were still waiting to see, like get that aha moment. I, I do like the idea of, of a retired Cat Osterman trying to discreetly show up to a softball game and pitch without anyone finding out about it. Right. Um, yeah, I know. Not but like two or three weeks later, I had people like, hey, rumors you're coming back. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I was like, I don't know who's telling you that. <laughs> and, and so you, you're able to kind of have that, that demo performance really for yourself. And then what's, what's the process? I mean, now we fast forward, right? You've been named the Olympic team. You're, you're back on Team USA. You know what's at stake here going to Tokyo but was there another kind of checkpoint for you of I'm not just good for a few innings but now I know I'm Olympic team good yeah so um 
the tryout for the 2019 team actually um you know once i had i had told the selection committee and everything i wanted to be considered for a tryout and i got my tryout invite which is when the world found out that i was definitely going to play again um but i still never and i told them when i when i talked to them about coming back i wasn't going to go play in the pro league i was literally going to prepare by myself go into 19 tryouts all or nothing um and of course the first game out i was like nervous and I laugh because people are like, oh, you threw well. And I'm like, that's not well. That was terrible. Um, it wasn't completely terrible, but it was not my standards. And so, um, but as tryouts went on, I just got a little bit better and a little bit better. And I threw, so in tryouts, we throw probably four or five innings, depending on how many hitters are on the other team. Um, and I, it was like, I think I faced 18 hitters um, and struck out 16, um, gave up one ground ball, and I think walked one. And that day was the day that I was like, all right, it's in here. I have it. It'll be consistent by the time we get to Tokyo. Um, so I knew that, you know what, no matter what, I could still do this at, at the highest level and that my standards could be met um, at some point too. So that 19 tryout was really physically and emotionally the first one um, since my very first one in 2001 that, you know, I didn't go in knowing that my – performances of, of years past or even the past summer like played into it and I knew I was in a good standing like I had to go prove myself all over again and um, I did and that was kind of my that was my moment of okay you're not just in this like you're really in this and you really can't do this. You know it's funny in a sport like swimming they'll talk about like the idea of a taper where they'll take time off and then before a big event they're ready to go and you said you had kind of pitched up to 2015 then you know you're coaching so it's not as if you're not you're never around the game but had, had you saved up some energy? Was your arm a bit more lively since you hadn't been doing it consecutively? Um, I think so. Uh, it's twofold though, too, because if I go too fast, then like your shoulder's like, what are you doing? You haven't done this for so long. <laughs> um, so for me, it was kind of finding that, that balance and for the first time kind of have not necessarily tapering like in swimming, but having to figure out when do I ramp up and pull back and maintain versus continuing to push, push, push. Um, so it's been a different... Um, journey and trying to figure out uh, how to train like that because before you're with a coach and they just tell you what to do and um, but uh, it was a fun it was a fun process and yeah I um, obviously pushed it right before that that 19 tryout and then even now with COVID I've had to kind of peaks and valleys based on what we have going on. And, and you hit on it so we're in the midst of a pandemic that uh, started back in March but it feels like it's been running for maybe two or three years uh, it's very hard to keep track you know thinking of the Pan Am games as last summer feels a bit strange to me in general but it, but it's interesting so for a lot of Olympians or Tokyo hopefuls on the front side of their career it's been great I have another year to prepare I can I can kind of get back to where I'm at for those that were on the back side of their career people not even in your case ones that were just been playing straight through or thinking I'm done after Tokyo now they've had to kind of re-up for another year. How did you handle that initial news? You knew you were coming back for just these Olympics. How did your process having to go another year? Yeah, um, when the initial announcement came out, like I expected it. You just saw how everything was unfolding, not just here in the United States, but worldwide. And so I was, I was expecting it. There's no way you can ask that many athletes to shut down, not have gyms to go to, et cetera. Um, like I said, not only here, but in other countries to where they were shut down to for a bit and then expect to have the best of the best at their peak for an Olympic games. And I've said it in some other interviews, I would have hated if it had gone on 
on schedule without knowing things back in March. Like I would have hated to be a swimmer or a track athlete. Like you have to taper and you have no idea when your qualifier is and if you're competing in the biggest stage. And so um, originally I expected it. And so it was kind of like, okay, I expected it. It happened. And then I think about after six weeks, this frustration hit of, okay, I have over a year left of doing this. Like, and so I kept talking to my husband. I'm like, we have 13, 14 more months of this. And he's like, it's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And I'm like, I feel like I'm staring up the largest mountain ever right now. Um, after finally what I thought was getting to the top of the last mountain. Um, and so there were some moments of definite frustration and not doubt so much as just kind of a aware on the endurance, the mental endurance of, of what it takes. Um, but really I, I think I went really hard right after we got home. Like I just trained, I trained hard for six weeks. What else is there to do when you're pin up inside your house, but, but work out all the time. Um, and so finally I just scaled back and found some other things to do that, you know, outside of working out and softball together to kind of just take my mind off things and, um, be able to kind of reset. And then come June, we realized that we'd be able to play again. And so then I kind of regrouped my mind and was like, all right, let's just, let's just think one month at a time right now. Like let's plan one month out and then we'll continue to go forward instead of looking up this 12, 13 month, um, mountain, because the bigger picture, as much as you want to keep it in mind was just kind of daunting. Um, but I'm, it's also a blessing in disguise. Um, I don't think I had, I had been throwing well when we broke from tour because of coronavirus, but, um, not quite as well as I threw, um, up in Chicago the past month for athletes unlimited. And so, uh, as much as I wasn't sure what the next year would bring, um, that being able to participate in that really, uh, I, I hit a different level throwing. I haven't thrown that well probably since I was like 27, 28. And so, um, to be able to see that come out of me again, I was like, all right, now, now I really am glad that there's another year. And that was such a cool moment, just reading about the athletes unlimited experience. And it was something that, right. You probably don't, don't take part in if the Olympics go on as scheduled and, and the way that fate would have it, right. You end up going there, but reading you, some of your interviews or quotes, just the genuine excitement that you kind of were giving off about the way you were able to perform about the whole experience. It, it seems to have really rejuvenated uh, you in a different way, perhaps. Oh yeah, for sure. So um, you hit it on the head. I mean, it was an avenue that I knew about, but I was supposed to be done after Tokyo. So I had never even, I never, I can be honest, I never even replied to an email um, about it whatsoever because I just didn't want to go down that rabbit hole. I was going to be done in, after Tokyo and that was it. Um, and so I, uh, obviously once we knew it was delayed, I reached out and was like, all right, I need a place to play. Um, are you guys, you know, still adding people? And once I heard the whole presentation, I was super excited about it. Um, just, just the different, the different aspect of it. That's a little more engaging, I think, both to players and fans with the point system. Um, but then once getting there and going through it, it exceeded all expectations. Um, I think some of us still were kind of like, how is this going to work? Especially living in kind of a bubble atmosphere. Um, but it ended up being amazing because you live in a bubble, so to speak. But once we're able to get to the field and be around each other, it's like you cherish, you actually cherish those two hours of practice way more than you would any other time. Um, because you can't kind of live a quote unquote normal life and just like go to target and go here and plan to go here and then be like, Oh wait, no, I have practice. It's like, 
can't wait to go to practice. I get to interact with humans. Um, so it was that, and then just the competition piece. I mean, with every inning and every game having points on the line, um, everyone was into every single pitch of the game. Um, and honestly, you know, we preach that as coaches and you're taught that growing up, but there's lulls that just happen sometimes naturally. And um, we really didn't have that a whole lot. And it just, you know, all 56 athletes were grateful to be there, but at the same time putting their best game on the field every single day. And yeah, personally, um, I went in not knowing what to expect, obviously being the oldest player, um, wasn't sure. I'm always kind of hesitant and not sure, like, how am I going to relate to some of these younger players? Are they going to even try to have conversation with me? Or is it kind of one of those, she's cat, I'll just wait till she says hi kind of thing. Um, and so I went in just was like, okay, well, we're here to get some game innings in to be able to stay in shape Tokyo and whatever else comes with it, we'll take as it comes. And it ended up just really, yeah, being a kind of life-changing situation to where I, there's some girls that I will continue to stay in touch with for years and years and years to come because we had such a great time and um, just really were able to click and, and kind of grow in our passions outside of the field too. So that part was fun. And, and you enjoyed it so much. You've, you've left the door slightly ajar for next year. I've left the door slightly ajar for next year. We'll see. Um, yeah, I, uh, I enjoyed it. And I think my, my husband enjoyed seeing me um, be in such a, a great place. And I have a stepdaughter who's nine and she absolutely loves watching me play. So when we were done, she was like, are you going to do it next year? Cause I want to come up there and watch next year. And I'm like, I don't know yet. We'll talk about it when we get home, but she's all for it too. So we'll see. It's, it's funny. You mentioned, you know, are people going to come and talk to you and approach you? Right. And, and when you sign on to something like this and it's, and it's new, I think whether you went into it with that feeling or not, you bring some important validation to the whole, to the whole league, right? Not that there weren't a ton of other talented players there. Is that, does that dawn on you at all when you're, when you're doing something like that? Like, Hey, if I show up there, like people are going to maybe expect it to be something a little bit higher level. Yeah. So when I signed on, I, um, I, I mean, they were waving the flag of like, yes, this is going to kind of legitimize us because other people signed on and it was just like social media posts and I signed on and next thing I know it's scrolling across the ESP, the bottom line of ESPN. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So, <laughs> slow news day. <laughs> um, but, and then, you know, we did a whole virtual press conference with it. And, um, but I think that was, it, it was cool to be able to be a part of that because um, too often some of the greats in our game give up too soon, whether it's injury, whether it's just going on with real life, um, you know, like so many sports that if you're not the top tier, sometimes you're not able to continue to do this for a living unless you're really, really making ends meet in the off season. And um, so for me to be able to, you know, join and then yes, let them completely just run with it. And um, it, it was cool. It was very cool. And, you know, I went in not expecting to win it at all, to be honest. Um, my goal was to be in the top four, obviously, but I wasn't sure how with points it would play out and how I was going to throw and those kind of things. But um, just to be able to be part of it and help it get off the ground um, was something that I was, once I decided to do it, was really passionate about because it is something new and our, our sport and just sports in general kind of need something that mixes, mixes things up. And so definitely after year one, I'm really glad I did and I will continue to help push it because it is an amazing opportunity for, for female athletes, but at the same time for fans to just see sport in a little bit different way.
And, and for those who didn't follow along, Kat did win a championship captain every week. So a very successful uh, return there and uh, opening season uh, with Athletes Unlimited. You hit on supporting it and wanting it to go forward. And in any sport, especially in the, in the Olympic sports, you go to two Olympic Games, three Olympic Games. Whether you intend it or not, you become kind of an evangelist for your sport. If something's going on with the game in general, people reach out and say, well, what, is, what does Kat think about this? How do you, how do you embrace that role of – I'm, I play softball, but I'm also like an advocate and proponent for its growth and success generally. Um, I, you know, I enjoy it. I really do. I want our sport. It's given me so much, to be honest. And when I started, I started playing at like 10 or 11. It was just to play something different other than soccer because I got bored with it. So um, I never started playing because I wanted to go to college or I wanted to be like all the goals that have happened along the way. Um, we're kind of just developed later as we went. And, you know, I know there's some people that grow up wanting to be an Olympian starting at age eight, but um, that wasn't how it unfolded for me. And so to see what sport has given me and that I have been able to do it this long in life, um, I want to be able to give back and be able to see others do that too. And more than just a few others, um, see, you know, female athletes as a whole to be able to really say, yes, I'm a professional athlete, not like I'm a part-time professional athlete and a part-time clinician and a part-time substitute teacher and whatever else you do to, to make ends meet. Um, so uh, I, I love trying to help the game grow and be able to give back. And um, I resigned from my position at Texas State in order to be able to have a bigger reach. Um, unfortunately, NCAA rules just handcuffed me a little bit too much. And so after coming back um, in 18 or 19, um, I just met with my boss and I was like, I want to be able to do more. And so, um, I resigned from that and now working with a youth organization here, um, but also just doing some other stuff with people whenever they call to try to, yeah, continue to develop the game and get girls really passionate about it. And then, yeah, hopefully, you know, helping athletes unlimited and whoever else be able to expand to where these women can continue to play for a long time and, and not have to do too much else, um, to support it. Yeah, well, that would that that be a wonderful outcome if that if that could uh, be the case going forward. Um, switching back to a little bit to national team stuff. So Tokyo next next summer, fingers crossed, everything goes well. You win gold in Athens, silver in Beijing. What what did you learn? What do you recall about those experiences that might help you going into this Tokyo experience? Yeah, so Athens. I mean Athens and. Um, Beijing both. We had a really strong team. I just know going into Athens, I was a little bit younger. I mean, I was a lot younger, but I was 21, a little naive to what all goes into it. I mean, I had obviously been with um, the national team for three years, but still when you're young, you're just kind of going with the flow. And, um, but I look back in that 2004 team just had such a sense of we would do anything and everything for each other in order to make sure we were as prepared to win as possible. Um, and then 2008, I think there was a core of us who had, who were from 04 and not that we still didn't have that mentality. I just don't feel it was as, as strong. Um, and don't get me wrong. We played great up until that last game. And sometimes the world just tips you on your side and lets you fall over and laughs at you. And I felt like that's what happened that game, to be honest. Anything that could go wrong did. Some of our best hitters hit into double plays, which I hadn't seen them do in years, and just different things. Um, but what I did learn is that, you know, our preparation and our leading up, has to, it has to start the second we get together. Um, you can't – and that's where I've approached this, is you can't let a day go by 
not to where you can't take off and if your body needs it, rest, recover, whatever, but like just keeping in mind what your ultimate goal is and not saying, oh, I still have nine months because you do that. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh crap, I only have three months where the last six months go. Um, and so I think the biggest thing is that preparation has already started for all of us. Um, we get together in December, thankfully, to, to train together as a team for the first time since March. Um, but all of us are already starting to prepare for even those two weeks in December, just so we're on the road to being as successful as we can be. And then, and then maintaining that and not trying to just finally get to peak performance um, come July. If you put in all the appropriate work like you're talking about and everyone is ready and everyone's kind of buying into this complete thing, does it have to result in a gold medal for it to be considered successful in your mind? Um, in my opinion, yeah. I mean, I, I attribute success at the Olympics um, to a gold medal, and I think that's because that's been the standard of USA softball. Um, I know I may think a little different than that because some people will, and some teammates are okay with, and I don't, they're not okay with losing, don't get me wrong, but it's just being able to go over there and perform um, as well as they can. Um, and as us as a team, as long as we feel like we put the best product on the field, um, that's success. But to me, I'm not going to lie, success over there in Tokyo will be um, a gold medal. And now you have the benefit of a gold already, but it's funny when, when I talk to silver medalists in team sports, I always joke, this, it becomes an inadvertent therapy session. Um, <laughs> when, when were you uh, at a point where you could feel good about having a silver medal? How long did that take? Uh, oh, it took a while. Um, still, sometimes I'm not, I mean, you bring, people bring it up and I'm like, and then, I'm, then I have to remember, okay, it is a silver medal and there's people that don't, that go to Olympics two and three times and don't medal at all. Um, it probably took about a solid six to eight months, to be honest. Um, it's funny you bring that up. I just listened to a podcast by Brene Brown, and she had someone on who was talking about how people who win the silver medal or athletes that win the silver medal are the least grateful, usually kind of suffer the depression and all that. And I was like, well, because if you look at most of them, and swimming and track are a little different because it's just a straight race, but like team sports, you don't win the silver, you lose the gold and are given the silver. And so I think when you experience it that way, it's a little different because the, the taste of losing is in your mouth, even though you have a silver medal around your neck. And so um, it took a while for me to, to really kind of just be like, you know what, you need to be grateful that you have another Olympic medal and you get to say you're a two-time Olympic medalist because not many people get to do that. Um, but like I said, I think just in, in sports in general, we, most of us, we hate losing more than we love winning. Um, and so the taste of losing kind of outweighs the fact that you have to look down and be like, okay, I'm still top three in the world after this tournament. Yeah, I think a lot of fans will look at a podium after an Olympic Games in a team sport and they see the gold medalists are hyped. The bronze medalists are like, oh man, we came back and won a game after that brutal semifinal loss. And then the silver medalists, it is, it is tough to be the middle child in that whole situation. And I think a lot of people don't understand it, but you're right, it does. Uh, take some time to get to a place of kind of acceptance on that on that whole thing. It, when you brought it up, I just had to follow up with that. So I appreciate your take on that. Um, so you, you kind of hit on Tokyo next summer. After that, then, well, we'll see what happens with Athletes Unlimited. But then after that, you're, what, back to RBI Austin working with that group and some other activities? Yeah, so I, um, I'm on the board for RBI Austin. I've been on the board for six years. And now that I'm out of NCAA um, rule, 
in the NCAA bubble, um, plan to help develop the softball program a little bit better. Um, we've had some baseball players be able to go to some junior colleges, D2s, D3s, some smaller mid-major D1s, and the softball program's just not up to that same standard. And I would love us to be able to develop the girls to be able to at least go get two years of school paid for at a JUCO or something like that. So um, I will get uh, be involved with the softball program. And then I am actually director of pitching performance here in New Braunfels for the, the Bombers organization, which is a fast pitch organization that has teams actually all across the country um, and just helping pitchers be able to be ready for the next level. A lot of them are going to some D1s and D2s and just kind of getting their mindset and physically like let's be prepared for college. Um, because I've been at the college ranks, so I know what they usually aren't coming in with. Um, and then after that, I don't know. I, I took real estate classes. I'm, I'll get my real estate license here soon. Um, I want to do something kind of outside of the game a little bit, which is why I got that. My husband's in it too, so it kind of benefits that I can help when he's out of town because he's out, he doubles as a golf coach as well. So um, be able to kind of have an avenue outside of softball, but then still give back to the sport and – who else knows what? I mean, at this point, I have a ton of ideas, and I just have to figure out which ones make sense and how to get them done. Well, one of the fun things you do for people to follow you on social media and on Twitter, your daily dose of cat, kind of your positive affirmation. What, what, where did that start, and is it, is it difficult to try and figure out something to share each day? So far, no. I think I'm at like 10 days in a row now. Um, <laughs> But occasionally I just get thought processes that like, I'm like, you know what, this is really good. I'm just going to share it today. Um, and then about, oh, I guess 10 days ago, I shared one and I, it got a lot of feedback. Um, and it was, it was something about hard work. And I was like, you know what, I could do like an idea a day on hard work for the whole week. And so I did. Um, and just seeing the response to it, not necessarily replies, but just likes and retweets. And um, I was like, this is pretty cool. And then I was like, you know what? Some people, like, you get the division of people that are on Twitter versus Instagram, and so I do that just on Twitter. Um, so far, it hasn't been hard to think of something, although this morning I woke up a little bit later, and I'm like, I better get my daily dose on there before someone asks me what today's is. Um, but I think I try to come up with things that I've obviously learned in sport, but that can be applied to regular life. Um, and so, therefore, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people um, – get some good feedback on get good feedback on it. So I think it's just a fun, a fun way to kind of put things out there and get people thinking in the morning. Is, is, is the quote you're referring to the elite work hard when it's hard to work? Um, I think so. That was, yeah. I think my first one. Um, that's my favorite phrase ever. And I came up with it probably, I shouldn't say came up with it. I'm sure someone else said it along the lines, but um, I was talking to my, my college team at one point about two years ago and I was talking to them after having trained, and I was like, guys, I get where I get because there are days, don't get me wrong, I don't want to work or I'm super tired from having been out here all day or whatever it is. And I go, but I go in and I work harder on those days because it's hard to work. And that's when I kind of got in that mind frame. And so, yeah, that's kind of my underlying theme is that you work hard when it's hard to work. And, um, but you think about it and you never hear about an elite athlete who someone's like, oh no, they're not a hard worker. And so obviously the elite figure out how to work hard all the time, even when it's hard to work. So, yep, that was the first one. And I think everyone kind of really loved that one. So um, I keep building off of it. Two, two kind of, um, I guess, mental pitching questions for you. The first, you always hear an announcer will say something like, the pitcher is just overpowering the hitter. When, when you're 
pitching and they cannot get anywhere near it and you're just in this groove describe that feeling oh I mean I think that's kind of the feeling that people describe as like your flow state almost um things are kind of automatic uh, but for me it's more of I don't want to say automatic it's just I'm in a relaxed I'm in a relaxed state as far as mentally and physically I'm not pressing to like make a pitch move or prove that a pitch works um, but more than anything, mentally, I'm just completely cued in on what, what I'm doing, but at the same time, what the hitter is doing. Um, and me and my catcher are usually on the same page at those points. Um, but it's, it's so fun to be in that state. I can't lie. Um, just because it's in your head, you're being able to already kind of play the chess match, but two steps ahead of, of where the hitter is. And so, um, for me, that's fun because it's like, okay, I know I'm throwing this drop ball because we're going to go here and then here um, later, and they're going to they're gonna end up – they're going to bite at one of those two, and I'm, I'm going to get out of this. So, um, And in those moments, if runners are on or I get in a situation, um, the stress level and the pressure doesn't, doesn't rise because I'm very confident in how I'm throwing that day. So those are fun days to be in for sure. And then conversely, if something doesn't go right, you allow a run, a hit, home run, whatever it might be. How do you kind of just clean the slate and get ready for the next thing? Yeah, so I have kind of a routine if I give up a home run or I give up um, some hard hits. You know, sometimes things happen and it, it doesn't necessarily mentally affect me as much as um, something that was within my control. Um, but uh, I'll have a routine where I get to the back of the circle. I usually keep my back to home plate staring out at the center fielder or past center field till I'm ready to kind of, once I turn around, it's the, okay, I'm over it. We've got to go. And so when I'm facing the outfield, there's a lot of deep breaths, um, a lot of talk to myself. Sometimes it's, you know, if she hit a good pitch, she hit a good pitch. If I didn't throw a good pitch, then it's like, okay, we need to focus on whatever mechanical thing went wrong for the pitch to not work correctly. Um, but I'll stay in the back of the circle until I'm ready to pitch and um, just kind of talk myself through it. Um, when I was younger, I used to kick the dirt. That was kind of my way of getting rid of things as I would, I would play with the dirt with my cleats um, over time. I don't need to do that as much. So um, it's just a lot of talking to yourself um, instead of, I hate to say it, but it's cliche talking to yourself instead of listening to yourself because it's really quick. You're real quick to tell yourself that that pitch sucks, that you're struggling, whatever else. And just instead talking to myself and be like, all right, that wasn't a good pitch. She should have hit it. Let's make sure we get it up at the hands next time. Um, hey, you know, so-and-so's up. You've gotten her out however many times recently. Let's go get her. Um, those kind of things. But I talk to myself a lot. Nothing wrong with that. You're out there by yourself, you know, you need to kind of work it out. Makes sense. (laughs) Uh, Reading through your blog on your website and you reference this a lot. So, so I'm curious, what, what role has, has your faith played in, in your career and kind of your return to softball now at a high level? Yeah. um, This time around, it's so much more rewarding having that as kind of my foundation and my backbone. Um, Short synopsis, I grew up Catholic, went to college, enjoyed the freedom of choice, didn't go to church, basically quit following anything. Um, and then more into my adult life, just felt like I needed to find, I needed to find myself again and um, ended up through RBI Austin meeting people that encouraged me to come to church with them. And it was, it was the best decision I made um, to, to get back into my faith. And so now as an adult, just knowing that you know, you can have, that you have faith, you have belief, you have hope in something bigger than yourself. 
Um, but at the same time, just allows you kind of to enjoy the moment and be able to be grateful for the opportunities you're given. And I can honestly say, and I think if you had told me this about 10 years ago, I would have laughed at you and been like, there's no way I'm like called to play softball. But when the opportunity to play again came up um, and I thought long and hard on it, like I did, I felt in my heart and in my head, both, I felt called like, no, you really need to do this. There's enough people telling you to, um, and I, I spent some quiet time really thinking about it. And I just felt like it was, you know, my faith was, was telling me, yeah, this is, this is the road you're supposed to go down. Um, and so this time around, it just, it allows me to enjoy it more. It allows me to, um, be able to use my platform to share it. Um, I think there were times in the past, I wasn't so sure if I shared it on social media, um, what the result would be, um, because, Again, people please are trying to please everyone, but you can't. And so now I've just got to the point where if it's what I believe in and, and it's good, why not share it? Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at. And I let that be the foundation of, of my days and start my mornings um, reading my devotionals and my Bible and just kind of whatever it is to get me ready for the day and, and just trust that whatever unfolds is it's a plan bigger than, than whatever else I could plan for my day anyways. Yeah, just obviously an outsider is kind of looking in at, you know, stuff on websites and reports and stuff like that. It seemed like the same joy that you had writing about your kind of return to church in that way was similar in the way you were expressing joy about the way you pitched, for example, in Athletes Unlimited, that sort of thing. Are those intertwined? They are. They are. Um, it's, they're very similar, to be honest. And um, it's funny because I don't necessarily pray before every game um, just because Unfortunately, part of my routine is I get very serious very early. So if I don't remember to do it before my cleats are on, once my cleats are on, it's like game time. Um, but before athletes and my very first game for athletes unlimited, I kind of, I kind of felt like I did a prayer to cover the entire five weeks, <laughs> and I just was like, you know, pray that I stay safe, pray that I enjoy this, and then pray that yeah, you know, hopefully I could find, find myself again um, on in the circle, and all of that unfolded, but. Um, you know, I think there's, there is a pure and true genuine joy um, when you do find your, your footing with something. And so for me, both faith-wise and now, yeah, pitching, um, I've found my, my footing and can put my roots in a foundation again um, moving forward. And, you know, I think prior to Athletes Unlimited with pitching especially, um, I was kind of put – there were little roots, but they weren't strong. Um, I wasn't consistently throwing the way I wanted to. And so now – I'm in a place I threw yesterday for the first time in three weeks and um, actually picked up a lot better than I think I would have had I taken three weeks off prior to Athletes Unlimited. Good stuff. Well, Kat, we end these interviews with the same three uh, what's good questions. I'll start first. Uh, what's, what's something you've done for yourself lately? Uh, lately, I started doing yoga every morning. And so for me, that's a great quiet time to kind of physically and mentally um, start my day before I do all my reading and stuff. Um, but it's just, I've always tried to incorporate it and just not been able to be consistent with it. And so now I've been consistent with that and it's just a great way to, to get moving, but at the same time, enjoy some peace in the morning. And then what's something you've done for someone else recently? Oh, well, I, so I partnered with American Girl Doll for, um, Tokyo and they came out with the softball player. So, um, it is material. I like to do other services for people more than that. But um, I got my stepdaughter and actually my niece um, each a USA softball 
uh, American Girl doll. And to see the look on my stepdaughter's face yesterday, she was ecstatic and uh, just un unwrapped it. Of course, it's brunette, so it looks similar to me. And she's like, if it's you, why does it have a bat? And why does it have a helmet? I'm like, well, it's not really me. It just <laughs> looks like me. Um, but just being able to share the joy of the sport with them, but at the same time, just, you know, being able to use opportunities that I've been given to, to benefit anybody that I can um, has been fun. And lastly, what's kind of an escape for you? What's something that really makes you laugh out loud when you kind of want to tune out from everything else? So I, my guilty pleasure of TV is Two and a Half Men. Um, unfortunately, I like the episodes with Charlie Sheen more than I do Ashton Kutcher. Um, that, but, was, that was like the original, so. Yeah. yeah, but we have a plethora of them recorded on our TV. We usually fall asleep to them at night, which doesn't help fall asleep because I'm laughing or paying attention to, you know, the funny storylines. Um, but if I ever need a good laugh or just to escape from some seriousness of the day, I'll, I'll turn that on. Uh, and last thing, best breakfast item at Bucky's New Braunfels is? Oh, the um, jalapeno sausage and cheese kolaches. <laughs> Fantastic. Kat Osterman, thanks for the time. Good to have you back in the game and best of luck in Tokyo. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me.